0: How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Ask LFC Podcast. My name is Harrison Gilming, Worship Arts Director here at Lake Forest Huntersville, sitting down with... Mike Moses, lead pastor and founding pastor of Lake Forest Church. And I got something to say right now. We are at episode 50. We made it. (laughs) 50 episodes.
1: Drop the mic. We did drop the (laughs) mic. 50 episodes. We uh, We love having this extra... Time of connection with many of you, Harrison. This has been fun for you and I to connect. I mean, we talk a lot. We have had a really uh, easy and productive working relationship, but this was a new a new flavor
0: in you and I's co working. It's been nice, you know. Like um, one of the nice things for me, Mike, has been, um, you know, you you develop kind of tools in your toolkit, and you've been better at this because you've been doing it longer. But the kind of the art of just. Creating conversation with folks, interviewing folks. We've done a lot of interviews since we've done this podcast. It's, uh, uh, just, it's been nice for me also just a year of growing it, getting better at doing something that I've really enjoyed. And I feel like we've dug into a lot of topics that we may may not, for sure, we definitely wouldn't have gotten to on Sundays. That's why we literally started this podcast. So
1: Literally, because yeah. I'm sitting here with an open file of Four different directions I wanted to also go in my Solomon Sermon. Um, but we wanted to keep our time. And so that, that's just part of the content is for those. We appreciate you guys who follow. Um, I like your interactivity when you let me know that you're listening. It uh, And what's helpful. That's super helpful for us. Um, uh, yeah, I've, I've super enjoyed this. And Harrison, I've liked that a lot of our our leaders who listen to this have uh, gotten to know your heart more of your heart for ministry. You're you're a, one of your skills as a worship leader is you are very brief in your words. That's not hard for you that on Sunday you're extremely focused. But people getting to hear your preparation for ministry, your heart for ministry, your depth of engagement in your own discipleship, I've enjoyed that uh, being a little on display.
0: I appreciate it. In honor of that, I've prepared a thirty five minute speech for the podcast this <laughs> um, no, it's been fun for me. I've I've enjoyed stretching stretching a little bit and it's been good hanging and talking about some fun stuff. You and I, Mike, were talking about before we hit record, just you know, reminiscing on some fun episodes. But, you know, more than anything, just thanks to uh, you guys who keep hanging in and listening and giving us a reason to come yes. sit in here once a week and hang out. You know, today's interactivity
1: online and in various forms of media is all about engagement. And so in a good we're not looking for engagement like ooh, did we get some likes on our thingamabob. But but engagement is a really good thing when we as a community of Christ followers engage a bit more on matters of meaning particularly around God's Word. So that's a lot of fun. We are a um, reminder, you all know this because uh, you're a listener, but May 23rd, not this Sunday, but the next Sunday, the weather's looking righteous yep. for outdoor regular 930 and 1105 worship. And we're, we're really wanting everyone to push into your pockets of Lake Forest to, for people to register and come back on person unless they're totally, totally, not safe that's of course caveat upon caveat but if you're out and about at the least we really want everyone who calls lake forest home here that sunday i think it's going to be pretty special
0: super excited for that we're watching watching the weather close but we're hoping planning looking like we're going to be out there uh partying out on the lawn and where we'll be in the whole
1: story of the bible is uh that's our our focus day on the book of Psalms, and we're going to focus on what is worship, and worship as an answer to some of our deepest questions. And I'm I'm
0: really looking forward to that. That's yeah, gonna be cool. We're gonna have an opportunity to sit down in that service, even have a little bit of a, a conversation with a couple of our ministry partner leaders on our worship team, and just kind of pick their brains a little bit. These are what I love. Just a side note because I've been thinking about this this morning as I send a, a big email to a bunch of people on my team. One of the things I love about um, getting to do what I do at Lake Forest is getting to hang with uh, these men and women who make up our worship team. And a cool fact that, uh, just to say it out loud, and I'm not sure a lot of people know, every single one of the people that serve here with us, are they're not professional musicians. Right. They're accountants and... Business people and teachers owners, and stay-at-home moms and, and... Massage therapists. All Yeah, I mean, just these are people who uh, God has gifted, and one of the ways that they worship Him is to serve by giving the gifts and talents they have back to serve this church together, and, and I just love getting to do that with those folks, and I'm excited on the 23rd for you guys to hear from a couple of those folks that do regular stuff, but up here on stage, they help to lead this church in worship. It's pretty cool. Yeah,
1: we're going to ask them to talk about that a little bit. Today's episode is the fall of King Solomon. I only preached the first half of the book of 1 Kings uh, and got us to the high point in Israel's history and the, uh, the first half of King Solomon's reign in which he... Uh, For the most part, listen to God, although actually looking back at my notes, I overemphasized that he was following God fully, because I'm going to now layer that, nuance it from the text, Um, but uh, to frame up uh, this episode... In staff meetings, we have a 15-minute a, a staff check-in at Lake Forest Huntersville every Tuesday morning because we're all on different teams. We don't see each other every week necessarily in meetings. So we just have a 15-minute staff check-in. And, hey, the local Chick-fil-A owner at, from Exit 18 brought us chicken, uh, can't call them nuggets. What are, what, chicken minis. Chicken minis mm-hmm. for the staff, which was super nice. Um, we've had different Lake Forest people work there. But we, <clears throat> we usually have a devotional... Not led by me, just discussing whatever the scripture reading for the day is. We're tracking along with the rest of the. So, (laughs) as one staff member accosted me, and that I'm not leading or teaching this devotional. But as soon as I was just a part of answering the questions, but as soon as it was over, (laughs) two different staff members marched over to me, mad, and were like, "How come? How can this happen again?" Another one of God's leaders in God's people, He picked him out in the old covenant, and he's Solomon. He's given wisdom, the wisest man in the world. Wrote half of Proverbs. Blah blah blah. How is it that he too fell? I am. You know, is there any reason for hope for any of us? Because this is the story over and over, and we had a great conversation about it. And that's sort of the frame up, I think, mm. for this discussion, Harrison. Uh, were you aware? Were you thinking at all during the sermon Sunday? Well, Mike's just saying the good stuff about Solomon. Did you think that at all, or or did you engage enough with with the subject of it to go that that was a good standalone? We didn't have to hear all of Solomon's story.
0: No, I mean, I I think the I think the neat thing about doing what we've been doing with the Bible in a year uh, is getting the opportunity through the scripture readings. Through the Bible journey for folks that are doing that and even some here on the podcast for me. and the times that we've done it is uh, just getting a chance to dig in a little bit deeper than you normally would with uh, uh, we talked with Terrell uh, a couple weeks ago as as he preached and he's like, man, how in the world am I supposed to fit this whole story in one thirty-five minutes, man? This could be like uh, this could be a whole teaching series in itself. So, I, I think anytime we get the opportunity to go a little bit of outside of what you can fit in thirty-five minutes is is only a bonus. So,
1: yes, and <clears throat> I told Harrison, I don't mind saying this to you all. Um, I was uniquely proud of Sunday's sermon as a theologian with a small T, a biblical theologian with a small B and a small T. Um, in I don't think it was the most newsworthy sermon ever. People didn't weren't crying at the end uh, It changed my life But for my work and handling the Word of God I just got more and more excited all week To show missiology That's the, the, the study of mission in the Bible Which is front to back um, Show missiology in the Old Covenant Through the prism of of the, the peak of Solomon's reign and the Queen of Sheba's visit, because it was right there in his... It, when I read his temple dedication prayer on Monday morning, I was like, oh my gosh, there it is. And then Queen mm. of Sheba. And so I was proud of the sermon exegetically <laughs> and then macro-theologically. I'm thinking about sending it to the seminary president, just you know, maybe get a gold star.
0: Yeah, he might send an award something. back in the mail, something... M- uh, 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 a virtual pat on the back, maybe so. <laughs>
1: I, you know that may, maybe I'm kind of looking for that. You know, my <laughs> my right. love language is words of affirmation, and the people of Lake Forest are very kind. Uh, an aside, based on that, um, I was reading an article about Bono, Bono in the Atlantic Monthly some years ago on Thanksgiving. We were sitting around Angie's parents' house for Thanksgiving, and it was an interview with him. And he goes, "My wife and I often discuss how weird am I that I do a concert." And there's 25,000 people screaming my name, and I come home, and I need for my wife to affirm me a lot more, Hmm. immediately, (laughs) with no interval. And Angie's like, yep, that's kind of (laughs) you, Mike. Okay, I I hinted in the sermon at something that was pointed out in Bible Journey by Dr. Laniac. uh, When it's noted that Solomon engaged in his uh, infrastructure building, he built the temple, and he built... His palace, which you could also read as the governmental, the seat of government, as well, um, in that time, uh, <laughs> and the author of 1 Kings, um, who is unnamed, um, but whom God is inspiring through the Holy Spirit to narrate this and select what to include and what not. That's the part of the inspiration. The author says, you know, Solomon took seven years to build the temple. However. He took 13 years to build his own palace. And that's a nod from the narrator saying, hey, this is all good. And I'm telling the good part of the story. And that's what I was doing in my sermon. But they're just just, just foreshadowing. You know, there's something, it's not all is not perfect. Hmm. Um, and, and then the, the next real moment when this is said is chapter 11, verse 1. Uh, this is right after Queen of Sheba's visit. King Solomon, however, here's a th- oh, <laughs> I just noticed that the narrator, the author, uses the word "however" again. Um, it, it's the third word in our English translation in First Kings eleven, verse one. King Solomon, however, this is after we just saw <gasps> the mission of God is happening. Hmm. People around the world, nations are going are hearing of the fame of Yahweh. They're hearing, hey, there's a people who believe this strange thing, that there's one God over all the gods who created everything. And let's go visit and see. And so people were coming and seeing. And then the next line, King, so the, this is the apex of mission in the Old Testament. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women, besides even Pharaoh's daughter, his most notable wife, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. They were from the nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, quote, from Exodus, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods, end of quote. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. Interesting. He had 700 wives of royal birth. He was married to 700 princesses. That was complicated. And his wives led him astray. I think we could say it a little different way. It it, it also says here, um, you must not intermarry with them. They will surely turn your hearts after their gods. I don't think it's that they're going to be a missionary for their god and say, Solomon, you should turn your back on Yahweh. It's that if you, this is a relationship principle, if you bind yourself to a person who's going in a really different direction in life than God's called you to go, guess what? <laughs> you just made a strong decision to not go the direction God's calling you in life. Because if you bind yourself to a person who's going there, you're going to go there, and I think that's the implication here. The wives were worshiping this deal, these other gods, and so that, that bent his heart toward foreign gods. And listen... As Solomon grew old, so friends, for those of you like me who are starting to grow old, Harrison alluded to it. He called, basically called me old <laughs> earlier, Harrison, when you said, you have more experience at this than me. It was a nice way of saying it. You're, ple- you're a pleasant <laughs> man, Harrison. Thank you. As Solomon grew old, verse 4, his wives turned his heart after other gods. That's three times that because of this diso- disobedience to God's clear command, uh, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. David broke some commandments, did some bad stuff, but he never worshipped false gods. He, he always he dealt with sin, repentance, forgiveness, failure. He dealt with it. I like how Mitch White says this still facing the living God. Hmm. So he prayed to him about it. He wrote Psalm 51. He he did all that in the direction of the one living God. Solomon turned directionally. Uh, and, and then verse 5, he followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians. And this one really broke my heart when I reread this. Molech. The detestable God of the Ammonites. That's literally there. Mm. Molech, the detestable God of the Ammonites. Harrison and all of you guys, you've heard me mention before one of the reasons why, even 400 years before the people of God came into the promised land and took it over under Joshua, is something had been said 400 years before by Moses that, by God through Moses, that the sins of the. what do the people call it in this area? The Canaanites had not yet reached their fullness. That mm. like God is merciful, He's tolerant, He's gracious, He lets people continue, even though we're rebellious against Him, but there's a limit. He's a God who will execute judgment at some point because of His holiness. Just as we know there will only be one more judgment now, and that is when Jesus returns, there will be a judgment. We will account. Um, and we will either give Jesus as our 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 full measure of credit of righteousness in our account or not. Hmm. Um, and Moloch, the detestable god of the Ammonites, there's that phrase. That was the, that was the god you've heard me describe before that, that some of the, the um, Canaanites worshipped where they had... Archaeologists, well, you can look up pictures of these um, chimney-looking things with shoots, and they would, they would gin up the heat and then roll infants into it to sacrifice to Moloch. We don't know if Solomon engaged in that practice, or if they maybe he had outlawed that because this is Israel. We we just don't know, um, or I don't know. Uh, Verse 6, So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely, as David his father had done. The result of this... uh, So how did this happen? Harrison is a question that people ask. And um, uh, the seeds of Solomon's demise are actually sown in the founding of his reign. As I read through First Kings front to back last Monday, because I just couldn't stop. I came late to a meeting like I always do. <laughs> um, the seeds of his demise were sown in the founding of his reign. It, the, the very first chapter or two of First Kings was may have been disappointing for some of you as well. You read a lot of real politics, real politics stuff. Uh, there was violence. There was he settled some scores from his father's reign, hmm. executed a few people. Now some of that is just, yeah, real politics. Threats to your throne; otherwise, they're going to take you over. Um, but those kinds of things in the first couple of chapters. Other things that happened were descriptive and not prescriptive of how Solomon behaves. God's Word was prescriptive. What Moses said, the commandments, were prescriptive how he was supposed to behave. Uh, in fact, but the score settling at the beginning, of first, that was descriptive of what Solomon did. It was not prescriptive that God told him to do that, just because he was God's king. Um, Moses had told the people... If you guys remember this, you've been tracking that if they didn't want God as king but instead chose a man as king, God pretty much said he's going to do all this stuff. He's going to amass wealth, and what does Solomon do? Build this ridiculous temple. Force the common people into labor for large projects. He did that, which, by the way, that was the root of the real downfall of the kingdom, the next generation. So after Solomon died, he still was the ruler, But the power of the people of God and their witness waned for those last years. And there was a decadence. This is the beginning of class-based system in ancient Israel, archaeologically and textually. We read about this in the Prophets. And when Solomon died, he had not done his own good job of teaching his son wisdom, like he wrote about in the book of Proverbs, because his son, Jeroboam, was a fool. All the people of Israel, when Solomon died, they were like, hey, this is in, uh, I believe this is 2 Kings chapter 1, but correct me if I'm wrong. The, all the people of God, the common people, were like, hey, now that you're king and not Solomon, he, he made us build a lot of stuff. That was like harsh. He ruled over us with harsh labor. Could you not do that? That's my paraphrase. Mm-hmm. And Jeroboam, the wise men around him, the older men said, Jeroboam, I, I, we don't have time to preach on this, but Super said, Jeroboam, you should, you should listen to them. You'll, you'll capture their hearts if you say, I'm going to ease the burden of your labor, your conscripted labor, which would be like for a, one season a year or something. And instead, he listened to his young man, the writer of Second Kings says, and said, huh, my, waist is, uh, uh, my pinky finger is thicker than my father Solomon's waist. If he ruled over you harshly with labor, I'm going to do it times three. Mm-hmm. Get in line. Yep. They rebelled, and Israel was never a united monarchy again. Hmm. Ten of the tribes said, fine, we'll take our ball and go. All the northern tribes, which take the, the name Israel for a period of history, they rebel, and they, <clears throat> they break off. And the tribe of Judah and one other tribe, which is the tribe of David, and now Je- and Solomon and Jeroboam, they they continue to rule over is uh, Jerusalem. Jeroboam starts to go start a what would have been a civil war, and he takes counsel not to. They say, "Look, you've got the temple, you've got worship. Let's just let's not have fratricidal civil war." Uh, and Probably because he also realized that he, he must have not been sure he could win that war. Hmm. And so it's a divided kingdom from here on after. And the root of it is Solomon's disobedience to God's clear commands. Um, Solomon did all those things that Moses said, a king's going to do that and it's going to suck. And, and he did all that and more. And and the book of 1 Kings in, during that happy part was not implying, good on you, King Solomon. It's great that you're doing all, all of that, okay. it's descriptive of human beings in a fallen state, even when they're worshiping God, um, as opposed to the perfect kingship of God. That is the lesson that Israel was supposed to be getting from this, because they all knew Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. And what Solomon did was took God-given wisdom, and he took it to the nth degree, and he was the highest of human wisdom. He took it to where humans run out of wisdom, and instead of continuing beyond human wisdom, to turn his heart to worship the living God. Mm. For what is beyond wisdom, he still trusted himself. Uh,
0: and, you know, we have these results. Um, yeah. So so to pick into the question you got after from the staff, um, I'm guessing from what you just said, I kind of hear part of your answer, but... Um, why do you think it is that you have Solomon who is given this gift of great wisdom who seems to then make decisions that don't seem very wise at all? Yeah. How does this, like, match up?
1: I think it may be as simple as this, Harrison. It could be, It could. except there were other things early in his reign, but it could be as simple as, you've probably had this talk with teenagers. I was a youth pastor for years uh, when I sit with a man and a an adult single again man and a woman thinking about they're dating and they're thinking about getting engaged or whatever, or any single again person here in Lake Norman who's th- starting to date, and I go, bro, bro et, just because you had sex inside a marriage and your you were married, doesn't mean that God's command and His will for your life to only have sex if God should gift you after another marriage, um, that applies to you now. Because people, we find all kind of ways to skis out on the parts of God's will for us that, that are not comfortable for us or convenient um, at the time. And I'll say, and, and here's what, it, so here's what I'm getting at. In that little talk I'll have in my office, part of it, my, I'll say, and God's will is for a reason, because, I mean, come on. Uh, you've had sex before. <laughs> you, you know that in a dating relationship, you can paper over all the disagreements, the questions that you have. You're like, yeah, but really? They don't want to have kids. I do. That's kind of a, Should we just put off that discussion or deal with it? Hmm. All the, the conflicts we're having, you, you can, sex before marriage can just cloud all that over and then you arrive in marriage, and like, how did I not see these things? Hmm. So, is it is it is it could? I'm not. This is not my thesis. I did not walk in here with this thesis. But you asked me your sure. question. Yeah. One factor, he was clearly a sex addict. But that there's a word for him. Um, he couldn't stop accumulating partners, whatever you would call them—wives and concubines. He also had concubines, um, hundreds, and. So there was something there, and and these verses, the text that I just read, tie his heart going astray to these uh, women. And, and by the way, I'm going to read in a second all the things that Moses said that a king shouldn't do, and one of them was accumulate many wives. Hmm. Uh, That was actually in God's Word. So he was breaking it because of his addiction or whatever. Maybe it was a little more political because it says they were all princesses. So it could have been an addiction to power, Harrison. He got this, man, I am the man. I'm King Solomon of Israel. I'm now world famous around the Mediterranean basin and over Mm -hmm. into the east, likely over into the kingdoms of India and modern-day Pakistan. They would have all heard of him. He wanted to keep that locomotive churning, yep. putting coal in the, in the locomotive. And so maybe he just kept accumulating more princesses with other rulers to form more political alliances because of power. These temptations sound familiar, don't they? Hmm. So whether it was power, prestige, whether it was sex, uh, lust, um, addiction even, um, the text clearly tells us. It was this, these alliances with foreign wives that turned his heart to their gods. He then gave himself over to something they were about, worshiping a false god, and then everything fl- flowed from there.
0: I, I think, uh, you know, as I reflect on that and just on, on using eyes, ears, discernment, um, it feels really similar to me, something that, you know— once a year or so, it feels like it comes up where there will be, uh, even in in our world of uh, pastors, someone that we know, someone famous, someone someone's connected to. We go, oh, man, that person had a just major fall from grace. They had an affair. They had a financial scandal. Something happened. And yes. it's that same question. My and heart I, sinks. Yeah. And it's, it's I think, part of the conclusion that you can draw from that is that, you um, knowing and doing are a long way apart sometimes and and the people that should know better solomon such and such mega pastor that stands on stage every week and preaches god's word yes they're um just in our humanity you it seems to me that solomon could be the the wisest he knew all this stuff up here but there is a part of that where it, it it just doesn't translate over all the way you know the right thing to do he knew yeah. the right stuff to do but he chose not to do as it. as
1: did king david and i thought jeff's sermon highlighted a couple of really important things that uh david even after he sinned he he went back and and he re, he sought he repented which is saying you know what god's will is right god is right and he wants what's best for me and the people and he then put some new boundaries in his life Uh, He allowed Nathan to be his accountability. That's a biggie, a big boundary. He accepted that boundary for himself, that there are prophets who speak for God, and I'm going to listen to them. Um, And another boundary was just repenting of sin and turning to God instead of, oh, well, I blew it. I'm on the trail of sin. I I guess this is my destiny now. I'm just Mm going to give myself over because the evil one will lie to you. Um, the evil one will lie to a divorced person. You're broken now. You're, you're not repurified. And so just go ahead and give yourself over to the single again lifestyle on Lake Norman, which is loose and fast and, and includes white collar drug use, all kinds of stuff. Um, just, just throw yourself into it. That's who you are now. And God sees you as dirty. And Psalm 51 was another one of David's boundaries. He was receiving God's word as true. No, no, you've washed me clean. You've made me right. You're restoring the joy of my salvation. I will now not only follow your ways, I'll tell others about them. That's, again, we can contrast the best part of David with Solomon never did that. He kept going down this trail for Mm -hmm. 20 more years. Uh, I wonder what that sounded like. I I do want want to give you a little snippet. Deuteronomy 17, this is Moses (laughs) And the, and, and the writer of First Kings knows that most of the original readers of Kings are Hebrews who are just steeped, steeped in these first five books of the Bible, the way that you think of Christians who've grown up in the faith and love Jesus from a young age and know your Bible. Think of how steeped you are in every detail of the Gospels. Well, the Hebrews were that steeped in everything about Moses, and check out, and so, As you're, as they would have been reading First Kings, they're hearing this ping, ping, and here's this. Check this out. This is Moses to the people. When you enter the land, your Lord, Deuteronomy 17. When you enter the land, the Lord your God is giving you, and you've taken possession of the land of it and settled, and you say, "Let us set a king over us, like all the nations around us." Moses says, "Be sure, appoint over you a king, the Lord your God chooses." The king, moreover, must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself. Bible Journey points out a specific place where it says more than once, and King Solomon acquired like tens of thousands of horses. Okay, right there. It was in Moses. Yep. Don't acquire me. And then it goes, he says, um, uh, verse 17 of Deuteronomy 17, the king must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. Ding, 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 ding. Mm-hmm. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. Ding, 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 ding. Now, are wives, horses, silver and gold, riches bad? No. And Bible Journey last week really made a good point. It's when those things are allowed to take inordinate importance, centrality in our life. I, I think we all know that point, but Solomon is the the example. Um. When he takes the throne of his kingdom, he's to write for himself on a scroll a copy of this law, meaning the law of Moses. Mm-hmm. It is to be with him. Verse 19, he is to read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the Lord as God and follow carefully, follow carefully all the words of this law and these decrees. Moses just said, the king should have a daily quiet time Yep. in God's law. I'm like, this is the same thing. Um, and then check this out. And so that he may not consider himself better than his fellow Israelites and turn from the law from the right or left. And what did Solomon's son do? No, I'm I'm better than my dad and I'm better than y'all. I'm going to put you under more harsh labor. The, the harsh labor was Solomon setting himself above fellow Israelites. So, it's a th- I'll stop there. Um
0: but it's interesting to see the the direct the direct repercussions of his actions to his own son and his son looking like why would I do any of that stuff? He didn't do it. <laughs> <He> <laughs> like, that's precisely. Exactly.
1: So, Harrison, let's let's end this. Y- you just Put your finger on something, maybe a practical. I'm not trying to wrap this up like a sermon. Here are three practical applications. Hey, why not? We're just tripping through (laughs) another part of scripture here that we didn't get to on Sunday that you got, because you're our listeners, you dig on this stuff and you don't necessarily have to have one takeaway. But so take what you just said about that, the son to the father, and apply it. How does it. You're a dad.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. I mean, I, I think. I think it's really relevant, especially to where we've been this last month talking about influencers. You know, it's, um, it's why we've also talked about lately, why we live in Christian community with each other. Mm-hmm. It's why that's uh, a boundary. Uh, yeah. To
1: use Jeff's word for, about David.
0: It's why God told Solomon through Moses, don't marry a bunch of foreign wives. It's all these, all these things that, uh, the people, the people that we choose to surround ourselves with, um, inevitably we all influence and bounce off each other. And, and the community that you're surrounding yourself with, man, it, it goes so far in determining the kind of person you're going to be, no matter your resolve of character and your strength of will, like we're just made as humans to kind of like, we're like, pieces of chalk and we just rub a <laughs> little bit of colors on each other when we interact with each uh-huh. other, you know, it's like, that's it, so, so I think it's, it's that piece of let's, let's lift each other up well in, in community with each other to encourage each other towards this stuff because it becomes a lot less weird and a lot more normal and it becomes generationally normal for yeah. our kids and for the people we have influence over when we choose to live that way.
1: You know, that, that's well said, uh, about the things God has clearly spoken. Mm -hmm. None of these things Solomon did were like, is that God's will or not? God's not very clear. I wish he'd be more clear. Since he's not, I'm going to just step on this path. They were were mostly the biggies on the eye chart. And for us in Christian community and our community group, basically when we study God's word together, we're resetting our focus on God as the center of our life through Jesus Christ and his most clear will for our lives. And to your point, <laughs> Angie and I were on a walk. We, we've had a better habit of going for walks during the pandemic. And we were like, you know what? Because we're in the community group that we're in, we almost are now It's not capable of just letting our health go and letting our bodies go. Those people are so dang fit. Yeah. Um, we kind of want to keep up with them. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's a real thing. And that's a part of our abundant life. My boys, your kids, Harrison, <clears throat> your kids are, are, my boys now, <clears throat> they still refer, they're young adults in their 20s, they'll be like, oh yeah, the da 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 the community group people. It is seared into their mind that a healthy human being, in as much as they respect their mom and dad, is in Christian community around studying the Bible, praying, caring for each other, and having a ton of fun. Yep. <laughs> we've, done, we've done so many fun things which is primarily when we would include the kids. And then as each kid graduated high school, hey, grab onto this because you got one coming. We started a tradition of we would have a feast outside. We did it in the mountains, but you could do it here. Yeah. And whatever kids were graduating high school, everyone in the community group would pre-write a, a verse and a word of counsel and affirmation to that kid cool. to take as a journal. and then at that meal at the end we just sit around with candles going outside and take turns just blessing that kid all those adults who have watched them grow as a community group and saying here's what we see in you and follow the Lord everybody would have a word of counsel and maybe that's that those feasts are my favorite picture of what you just
0: described that's awesome I love that
1: Solomon was too busy to do that with not good things. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he he definitely was very busy with a lot of things. <laughs>
1: hey, um, great talking with you all. That was the, the part of the sermon that was on the cutting floor um, so that we weren't here all day and you could get to Denny's before the Baptist. That's uh, right. <laughs> so...
0: That was fun. We look forward to uh, we look forward to hanging with you guys again soon. Hopefully, we'll see you outside on the 23rd. Have a great week. We'll catch you next time.